Welcome to Mountain View Church Audio, coming to you from the Wilderness City, Whitehorse, Yukon. We strive to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. The Bible says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Now you might be thinking immediately, doesn't apply to me, I'm not young. You know, maybe this is for my teenagers or kids or someone in their 20s. But let me tell you that it does apply to everyone. When I think of youth, the first thing I think about is schools. You know, if you've been to a college or university or even a high school, uh, one of the favorite, uh, one of the questions you can ask people is, what are you going to do when you finish? What are you going to do when you graduate? What are you going to do when you've done your program? What are you going to do when you get your diploma? Everyone's kind of saying, well, I'm studying to be a, an accountant, or I'm going to go to this school, or I'm going to further my program and, and, and do such and such thing. Everyone's kind of working towards something. Everyone kind of has a goal and some kind of potential for something better. And even if someone's not in school, usually you can ask a young person who's just working, you know, are you going to try and buy a house or... Do you have any plans? And a lot of people might have something like a, an adventure or vacation or trip coming up. Those are all good things. But with youth, you get a lot of potential for good. But that's not much different than anyone. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who would say, I do not want to better the quality of my life in this coming year. Or I want my life to be worse this year than it was last year. Everyone wants things to improve, things to get better. But people who are young just happen to have more time, more potential. And they're uh, called out and used in this passage to exemplify that phase of life. And the Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. What it's saying is, use your time wisely to seek God. And when we think of serving God and what that could mean and what it means to have God in our lives and to walk with him, it shouldn't be something hard to sell that God would want to be with us and bless us. Why don't we seek God like we should? Well, I think it comes out here in this verse when it says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There's going to be coming a time, the Bible says, when these good times won't be so good anymore. I think that speaks to the fact that pleasures and having a good time can really distract us from following God. When I was preparing this message, I was thinking about all the things that could distract us and what it might have been like in the Bible times to have pleasure in your days. And made me just think that they used to get really excited thinking about the land that flowed with milk and honey. That something that was so simple as milk and honey really made them happy and excited. And to think of what we have now and all the things that we have that could distract us and draw us from God. That we truly have abundance. And there's a lot of things that have been our blessings in our lives and conveniences and we have opportunities to do things that people never really have have, have had to do. But when these things distract us from the pursuit of the Lord, they actually can become very dangerous when they force us to forget our Creator. And it goes on to say, While the sun 
or the light, or the moon, or the stars, be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut, and the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low, also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or, er, or ever the silver cord be broke, loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Now when I first read this, I thought, you know, we're told, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. And it paints this picture of what seems like, you know, a city closing down and the doors being shut and people afraid and there's mourners. I have an image of kind of a town kind of wearing down and uh, kind of being abandoned. But as I read on this passage and studied it, a lot of people believe that these verses that talk about the clouds and the stars and the moon, they're all metaphors for the aging process and getting old. And initially I thought, well, that's maybe reading into it too much when it, you know, people would say that when the, the grinders cease because they are few, that's referring to your teeth not being able to chew anymore. And uh, those that look out the windows be darkened. That, that means your eyesight goes dim. And there's other metaphors throughout this passage. And I, it really hit me when I realized that there's this one line here, and the almond tree shall flourish. Now initially I thought, well, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Almond trees are symbols of hope in most other parts of the Bible. But when an almond tree blossoms, it turns white. And thus, I think this is a real clear illusion that all these metaphors are uh, to tell us that you're going to get old. That to remember the, the, now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Because there's, you won't be young forever. There's a coming a time where your body's going to break down. You're going to experience it and feel it. That you're human. Your teeth are going to wear out. Your eyes will get worse. And slowly and surely, you'll experience what, uh, old age. Then it goes on to say, then when that, when the wheels broke at the cistern, verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Saying that you'll get old and you will pass away. You will die. It will happen. You're very human. Then it says, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. All is vanity. Now that word vanity comes from a word hebel. In Hebrew, that word means smoke, like a puff of vapor, like, like smoke in the air. And the idea is that you imagine a smoke, it's hard to, to grasp, it's, just, it's there for a moment and gone. And it's used in both these senses throughout the book of Ecclesiastes about the, the, the confusing nature, the meaningless of life. It's just there and it's gone. But here, it really uh, is used to show the brevity of life. That you're young now, but... Or you think you have time now, if you're not young, but you still do have time if you're listening to this. But in your life, you will begin to get old and your time will run out. And like a puff of smoke, life is over and all is vanity. 
what the, what the saying here is, seek your creator now while you're young. You don't have time. Maybe you know God, but you're just, you know, Sunday morning Christian, you're just coasting through. Let me tell you, you're going to coast right on out and through life. You don't have time to coast through Christianity. And maybe you do, or, or do serve God and you're sincere about your spiritual walk and you want the Lord to use you. And you think of things that you want to be part of your church and you want to be part of your community and sp uh, spreading the kingdom of Christ. But then you can look at yourself and you wonder, is God using me yet? Have I, have I allowed myself to be used? Let me tell you, you don't have time. Remember your creator now while you have time. And maybe this is the first time you've ever really heard preaching and you're just tuning in because someone recommended it or you're sitting with someone who at their computer at their home watching this. Maybe you don't know God. The book of Ecclesiastes, we've been talking about what life is like and what real life is like and that you know who God is, but sometimes life just seems so difficult and so confusing. And even if you're not a Christian, since you're alive and you live in this world, you know it's a crazy place. And you know life can get mixed up. Let me tell you why that is. See, God created man to be with him, to live with him in the Garden of Eden. But man disobeyed God and turned from him and sinned. When man sinned and rejected God's relationship, and God rejected man, and man was cursed from the presence of God. When man was cursed from the presence of God, sin entered this world, and the world was cursed by sin. And that is why we experience pain and confusion, eventually we die, because this is a sin-cursed world. And what's worse, though, is when sin entered this world, our hearts were cursed, and we, uh, we developed a sin nature, that our hearts were darkened. Now that when mankind is born, he is born separated from God. The Bible says, For by one man sin entered this world, and death by sin. For death, quote this right here. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That we struggle and we suffer and we, we do bad things. Not because of our environment, even though it is sin-cursed, but because of our heart is sinful, and sin comes out of our hearts. And that's why we can also never truly be happy and, and, and satisfied in this world, because our sinful heart is separated from God. And let me tell you that if you don't know the Lord, yes, you're experiencing what it means like to, to live in this real world, and how confusing and chaotic it can be, but you don't have time. Eventually, you will grow old. Eventually, your life will end. And like a puff of vapor, a puff of smoke, you will die. And that will be it. But, let me tell you, that the Bible also says, as there is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, that you will stand before God and give account for your sins, since you committed in your life. And since you are spiritually unregenerate and don't know the Lord, you cannot return to God's presence and will be condemned to hell. You don't have time. That's heavy. I know what you're thinking. Did he just say that? Yeah. That's also what Solomon thought you might say. Solomon says in verse 9 here, And moreover, 
Because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. Solomon says, just trying to tell you the truth, that this is all I can give you. It's what I've learned. True words. It goes on to say, verse 11, The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. A goad is this, the stick with a sharp uh, point they would use to move along sheep or cattle when they were herding animals. So what he's saying is, truth is kind of like that sharp stick moving you along. Truth hurts. Not everyone wants to hear about that. This isn't all just going to work out that I can live how I want to and I can just coast through life as a Christian or that I don't need to know the Lord. No, it's not going to be all right. Truth hurts. Then he says, verse 12, And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. What he's saying is, you can go and study this for yourself. You can pour through the libraries. You can pour through the books. And at that time, probably scrolls. And you will not be able to come to the bottom of the meaning of life far from truth. Take my word for it. You're thinking, wow. What can I do? Is there any hope in all this? Oh yes, there is. Let me tell you. There's good news. The Bible says here, it continues, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon's been talking about the realities of life for this whole book, discussing how real it is and how scary and complex and sometimes meaningless life is, describing how it just feels like at one's, one situation after another, it's like a puff of smoke, it's vanity. But he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. Now, what does that mean to fear God? To fear God means to, I like to explain it as, living in reverential awe of God. It's when you know who you are and who God is. When you realize how small you are and how big God is. It doesn't mean to be terrified of God. As Christians are supposed to fear God. This is the same as a child shouldn't be terrified of their parent. They should be aware that they're Parent is beyond them, that they're bigger than them, that God truly is, as my father, a bigger spiritual being than I, that I'm just a created creature. And to fear God, and it says, and to keep his commandments, but to live in that right relationship with God. For this is the whole duty of man. Now, the Bible is a big book, and it tells you to do a lot of things. Now, how could that be the whole duty of man? It's a very powerful line in the Bible, and it gets even more powerful as it explains why that's the whole duty of man. The final verse of this book, which I believe is the most important verse, the final verse of Ecclesiastes 12.14. It says, Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. What he's saying is, is that everything we do in this life, whether good or bad, will be brought to the feet of God to be judged. That we will all face 
God in the next life. Everything we do is coming to him. So what it's saying is that amidst all this life of vapor and smoke and seeming meaningless, there stands God in front of us, unchanging, unmoving, constant. It means that God is all we'll ever have and all that we'll ever have in this life or the next. That should be great comfort. Let me tell you that this God in the smoke that stands there in front of us in our seemingly meaningless, meaningless life has fully revealed himself in the person of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, roughly, God came in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and lived a sinless life amongst us and then took our sins and died on a cross and was buried and rose again. He took our sins, the ones we committed, the ones that would keep us from getting into heaven and condemning us to hell. He took them and he paid for them in his sacrificial death and he was buried and rose again, proving that he was Lord of heaven and earth and conquering sin, the devil, and the grave. And that since he has risen from the dead, he has proven that we can have eternal life through him if we would just come to him. And now, if you don't know the Lord, since Christ has risen from the dead and he sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father, you can have eternal life. You don't have to live in this meaningless existence of watching chaotic things happen around you in this life of vapor and smoke, vanity of vanities, and wondering what's going on. Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That the Bible says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Knowing that, this life is so brief that you may have time now, you think in your youth, but you don't. That in a second it'll be over, like smoke. Come to Christ. Come to him. And let him save you. Let him change you. And experience what the Bible talks about as the new birth. And if you do know the Lord, take hold of what you have in Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes amongst all the passages and, and movements of thought where he spoke about how confusing life is, there's many, many calls to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Because when we know who the Lord is and we're in right relationship with him, then really embrace what it means to live a life under his providence, under his grace, and to enjoy what he gives us. That knowing that we have no guilt and if you are saved and you do know the Lord, take and embrace what you have in Jesus Christ. Often in the book of Ecclesiastes, amidst all the descriptions of the hard realities of life, how confusing it can be, the author comes back to enjoying the fruits of your labor. Because when you know who God is and you're in a right relationship with him, then you can truly embrace what it means to have no guilt of the past and no fear for the future and enjoy life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And knowing what you have and enjoying what you have should drive you to the throne of grace even more, knowing that, wow, that I have passed from death unto life. 
not because of anything of what I've done, but by the gracious work of Christ, that he would see me in my sinful state and he would come into my heart and change me. And that should drive you to realize that what an opportunity this life is to give it back to God. And that knowing that the Holy Spirit's been given to you, you are now empowered to live that life for him. And it should drive you just to be, live a life of thanksgiving and praise and worship, of honoring him, and letting your life be changed and consumed by the gospel in a way that would, as the Bible says, letting your light so shine, meaning that it would then change and radiate into the world around you. And then you won't have to worry about advancing Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom will advance itself because it, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. When a Christian gets a hold of what they have in the gospel, and then you can truly experience what it means when Christ said, follow me. You don't have time to waste your life. It's just a vapor. You have it for just a moment. This opportunity you have to walk on this earth, redeemed by God. You don't need to waste it in the smoke, like smoke, poof, and you're gone. Take hold of the one thing that you can have, Christ. Let Christ save you. Let Christ change you and the world around you. For this is the whole duty of man. You don't have time to waste your life. So make it count. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to just give your word from Ecclesiastes that we really can have a life with you. That you want us to live with you, God, through you and for you. That you've given us time. God, is anyone here who realizes how short life is and that this time that you've given them is grace to turn to you and to remember your Creator, I ask they would do so this morning, God, and just behold you in the person of Christ. I ask this in the precious name of your Son. Amen. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If you have given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know. Email connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Lastly, feel free to connect with us through social. Just search at Mountain View Whitehorse. Have a blessed week.